Welcome, ladies and gentle nerds, to the very first nerfed podcast. And as always, we ask that you please ignore. So let's jump right into it. This podcast is all about those tiny things that make the games that you have heard about and the games that you've never heard about so uniquely special. That doesn't mean that every game is great. It doesn't even mean that we're going to talk about games that are either great or terrible. More likely, we're going to focus on tiny aspects of individual games that make them stand out, ideas that if if planted in the correct soil under the correct conditions and cared for in just the right way could produce a title that is unlike anything we have ever seen before. And the frustrating thing I think for a lot of gamers, especially if there are gamers out there that think the way I do, is that we've seen a lot of these things. We've seen them in games everywhere. We've seen them in games that have succeeded and we've seen them in games that have failed. And unfortunately, it seems like these seeds never come to fruition. We're never given something that seems appropriate for the dedication and the time that we commit to these titles. It's like seeing the glimpse of something great just over that next horizon or the idea that could revolutionize the world that just can't be capitalized on. It may be one of the worst feelings a gamer can possibly experience. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the unachieved, the potential, the possible future, and all the times we got so close to something great and fell just short or even a mile short. So long as the idea, the core tenants and principles were something amazing with astounding potential. So when I first thought about the game that I would like to talk about or the idea, the concept, the foundation for a game that I wanted to talk about, there were a lot of things that came to mind, but there was one game, one idea, one tenant that came to the absolute forefront, and I just could not dispel it as the absolute right answer, and that was Star Wars Galaxies. Star Wars Galaxies is the greatest Star Wars game that you've never heard about. I know that sounds crazy, and there may very well be people listening to this that know exactly the game I'm talking about, but I'm willing to bet there's even more of you that have never heard of this game. In fact, some of you are likely even thinking of Knights of the Old Republic right now. So what is it? Star Wars Galaxies, or SWG as fans turn to calling it, was easily one of the most influential and standout Star Wars games in all of history. It introduced ideas and concepts that were so revolutionary, not just for Star Wars games, but for games as a whole. In fact, there were concepts that were introduced to SWG that were just so outlandishly amazing that not only have they left a lasting mark on the players that had played the game, but even today, we've yet to see titles that can reproduce them. In Star Wars Galaxies, which is an MMO, unlike the notion that every other single major MMO is built on top of. You are not the hero. I know that sounds revolutionary, but that's the great thing about the game. You're not the hero. It's just that simple. You are a random person somewhere in the Star Wars universe. You can be completely irrelevant to the greater stories presented in the films, in other Star Wars media, in the expanded universe. It doesn't matter. You don't matter. 
And that is so uniquely liberating and such an interesting approach to the concept for a story or to build a world that no one has ever thought to do it before. And that approach, that core tenant, created what may very well be one of the most standout sandbox MMOs I've personally ever experienced. It's the foundation for a world that was so uniquely interesting that it had such a core audience that refused to ever leave the game. And to this day, it's one of the very few dead MMOs that's not dead. We've all heard what's a dead may never die, but I put to you that it is quite literally true when discussing Star Wars Galaxies. Why? Because even today, the SWGMU project keeps the game alive. This is an MMO that is dead, gone, buried, and somehow you can still sign up and play for free, and not just on one server either, on a plethora of different servers that mimic the game at multitude different stages. Now, I know this sounds like an advertisement, but it's really not. This game really had something special in this concept because, you know, I think a good comparison to maybe present the problem before you maybe understand the core of the solution is if you look at The Old Republic, which is the new Star Wars MMO that has swept through the scene and was very story focused, probably a spiritual successor to Knights of the Old Republic 2. In that game, everyone is the hero. You're all the Sith, you're all the Jedi. There's countless thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of you everywhere you go. And even with the lore being set in a time where that made sense, you somehow feel less special. You feel less special about turning a lightsaber on when you're surrounded by a thousand other dudes who also happen to have lightsabers. It kind of ruins the experience, right? When it's the middle of the summer and you're standing on the side of a road and you see a Lamborghini zoom right past you, the, the thing that makes that experience so memorable is how many times in your life have you seen a Lamborghini? It's not often that you're going to see a Lamborghini, maybe 5, 10, 15 times your whole life. It's something rare, unique and memorable. And that's why you remember it. And that's why it's so interesting. But when you're a Jedi in a Star Wars game and everyone else around you is a Jedi, it's suddenly a lot less interesting. Think, imagine for a second, if in episode six, in the scene on Endor, when the Ewoks first appear in great numbers, if each and every one of them had a friggin lightsaber and flicked the thing on when Luke came on screen, all of a sudden, the impact of Luke being there and being a Jedi, far less interesting, isn't it? So back to Star Wars Galaxies, because this is, I know, an absurd tangent, but the thing is, you couldn't play a Jedi. <laughs> Which, I know, it's funny because I just ranted about them for quite a while, but the, you just couldn't play a Jedi. There were a lot of things you could do, a lot of classes you could play. And, you know, that's another thing. Classes isn't necessarily the right word, right? Because modern MMOs shoehorn us into these classes, whereas Star Wars Galaxies really let you pick kind of like your starting background and dropped you onto a planet. And that was it. You could do nothing. If you wanted to do something, you had to practice it and get better at it, which was also an astonishing feature that you just really hadn't seen in many other games up until that point. In some small increments for sure, I know in tabletop it was very similar for certain tabletop games, but in terms of like the MMO universe, this was really the first time this was seen on any sort of grand scale. You could mix and match characters, mix and match abilities, and, and these classes weren't just combat focused either. Right? So each individual class in Star Wars Galaxies had 
combat applications, non-combat applications. I'm using the word class. So let me be clear here. In SWG, they were called professions. There were many different professions. A couple of examples were there were doctors, medics, Tarasquazi artists, riflemen, chefs, entertainers, dancers, musicians. And all of these professions worked together in just such a unique way. Not only could you mix and match them to create a unique class that was unique to yourself and its application also something that very likely you might not have seen someone else try yet, but potentially even more importantly, the game focused on its community because when it launched, it didn't have that much content, which was likely a larger failing of the title, but but the community was the content. So one of the reasons it was so interesting that you were kind of a nobody is that it made sense that you might be a chef that's making some food somewhere in the middle of nowhere or a rifleman that's training in Moss Eisley that's looking to maybe join the Empire or or an entertainer dancing in the Moss Eisley Cantina to keep all those guests entertained and interested. These were things that you really wouldn't do with your characters if you were the hero of the story. You wouldn't find the master, the grand master of the Jedi Order just chilling in some cantina in Mos Eisley. That's that's not going to happen, right? So that's a story. That's a story arc that isn't interesting, is not likely to occur. And if it did happen in many other games today, it would most likely happen if you took your character to a cantina and used a slash dance emote. It's just not special. But entertainers, as an example, you could watch them as other players. And after you watch them for a sufficient amount of time, you could actually receive a buff that improved your combat stats so that you could go out and you could fight better than you did without it. In fact, it was such a big buff that it was damn near essential. And providing that service as a player also meant that other players tipped you for providing that service. Similarly, other professions like doctors, doctors not only healed permanent wounds that you got after you died or got injured in combat, but what's more is they could also help create buffs that you could uh, consume to further boost your stats. In fact, for you to even be considered remotely competitive in SWG, before you could even go out, you had to spend a solid 15-20 minutes going to the cantina, chilling with some entertainers, talking with the community a bit, getting a buff, going to see a doctor, getting a buff from the doctor, all the while you tip those players. They're making money for providing that service. This was a completely roundabout economy, right? So combat player goes out, he kills some stuff, makes some money, whatever, usually doing missions, comes back into town, goes to the cantina, sees an entertainer, gets a buff, tips the entertainer. Then he goes to a doctor, gets some more buffs, tips the doctor, and with his buffs from those two professions, goes back out to do more combat. This was a perfectly circular system and it made sense in a way that i really haven't seen in a lot of other mmos and maybe that's the reason that it resonated so well with me i think another reason that system was so amazing is because it really drove community engagement being kind of a nobody in a world that forced you to interact with other players to survive where you just weren't like god king emperor jedi you were kind of forced to interact with the community. You were forced to make friends, to build friendships that made that game so much more special and triggers that nostalgia vibe years later. And the content that was there was so in-depth and impactful that I'm not sure we've seen it in a lot of other games. 
The crafting alone in Star Wars Galaxies has got to be the single best crafting system I've ever seen in a game. I wouldn't even know how to try to explain it to you properly in such a way that it even remotely made sense to you where you could understand it's one of those you really had to try at things. But needless to say, it was another amazing focus that was given to another non-combat profession unlike other games because if you were a master craftsman, if you were someone who really put time and effort into mastering your art, the reality was that you would produce content, you would produce gear and weapons and droids and all kinds of and all manner of things that was just so high quality and sought after that you would become famous for it. You might have waiting lists of players waiting to get your stuff, willing to pay two, three, four, five, ten times the market rate for something that at the highest end might only have been three, four, five, six percent better than the next best thing. But that six percent matters. And the fact that you as a player can craft something that's not going to be the same as the guy next to you every single time and you can do it reliably is kind of amazing, right? Like, I don't know how many of you have played World of Warcraft, but can you think back to the, the time as a kid, maybe when you first started playing World of Warcraft and you took like minor and smithing as your like in-game professions. And so you got some more and you smithed away and eventually, you know, you made something like, I don't know, like an iron sword. And that felt really awesome the very first time, right? Until you realized to get to the next thing, you kind of had to smith like a hundred iron swords. And not only were they all the same, except maybe one or two had a different colored border, I don't know, but they were all worse than anything you already had. In fact, if we're comparing this to other games crafting systems, I think you'd be hard pressed to find something that you can craft in most MMOs that's going to be better than gear you're just going to get in whatever equivalent of like dungeon or instance is present in that game, right? It's just not going to happen. So to have the highest tier of things of of gear, weapons, everything come from players, only from players and nowhere else. That was awesome. And what's more is when you made something, your name was on it, right? Everyone knew from that point on that you made that, whether that player used it themselves or used it a bit and then traded it off and it's been repaired a hundred times and maintained and it's still being used because of how good it is. Every time someone looks at that in their inventory, boom, there's your name. That's the kind of community content generation that I think we're missing in a lot of games. And it's all based on that core idea that you're kind of just a nobody, right? It's your job to make your name in this galaxy and not because you're some special individual that has some crazy power that no one else has and makes you stand out. It's specifically because you are nobody. So you need to work with other people to accomplish things, right? If, if you happen to be a very successful individual in life, you didn't get there just because you had the force and you stumbled your way there. That's not how the real world works. It might be how Star Wars works, okay, but not the real world. If you're somewhere high up in a company or you've built something amazing or you've made a scientific breakthrough or you're a politician with lots and lots of power, like the reality is that you likely got there by building your accomplishments on the backs of other people. And that's not to say that you made other people slave for you. It's to say that we don't do anything alone in life, right? You don't even make it to adulthood without relying on your parents for literally everything. Food, water, shelter, the friggin' washroom that you used a thousand times a day as a child. Like you depended on your parents for everything, right? So none of us have gotten where we are without help from other people. And the idea that we can do that on our own is also, I think, equally absurd. So 
to have a game that really reflects that, that you really need to work with other people to build relationships, to make friends, to do things together, to accomplish something great. I think that's amazing. I haven't seen it in a game since, and I'm not sure if we're going to see it in another game. And the craziest thing, and I know I've said that a lot, but one of the most amazing things about this is that this wasn't even the only groundbreaking thing that this game did that was so outstandingly different. It wasn't. We haven't even had a chance to talk about the Jedi yet. So I told you something, and it was true, and you're likely already confused. I told you guys at the very beginning of this episode that you could not play a Jedi, and that's both true and a lie at the same time. It's a bit of a Schrodinger's Jedi. You couldn't pick a Jedi at the very beginning. In many other games like World of Warcraft, where you pick your class, or even the Old Republic, right? You had to truly earn the ability to be a Jedi, because much like Luke, he was just one in a trillion larger than a trillion if you think about how many sentients inhabit the galaxy in Star Wars. It was such an infinitesimal chance that he happened to be the one Force-sensitive Jedi that was hidden away by Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda that allowed him to accomplish what he accomplished, right? And he only discovered his Force sensitivity far later into his life. And I know that at this point we're talking Star Wars lore, and I hope that's okay with you guys. In Star Wars Galaxies, it operated much the same way. In fact, for the first, I think, year or longer, there wasn't even a single Jedi. I'm not going to go ahead and tell you guys how you became a Jedi or what the criteria were, but there was an element of randomness to it. Accomplishment and randomness. And ultimately, through, we're going to call it either political intervention or you know, companies sticking their noses where it shouldn't belong. Changes were made and we ended up with a Jedi perhaps sooner than was intended. But that moment opened up something else that was just so astounding in this Star Wars universe. A feature, an experience, an idea, a concept that still to this day rings absolutely true as potentially one of the most amazing solutions to a problem that games tackle constantly. Everybody is the hero in every single game, but not Star Wars Galaxies. It took more than a year and a half for a player to unlock the ability to become a Jedi. And because of the time and the setting, when you're a baby Jedi, when you're a Padawan, you're not really great at defending yourself and you also happen to be a little bit visible because you know lightsaber kind of stands out in a crowd especially if you happen to be inhabiting the empire era when uh, jedi were kind of hunted to almost near extinction right so you had to now train your abilities in combat and an immense amount of combat but in secret, without people or NPC characters seeing you, because if you did so, you would gain visibility. And if you gained enough of it, you would end up as a target that could be hunted by bounty hunters in the game. So no longer were you just uh, a random player that, you know, that was interacting with the universe. You were now a Jedi that was interacting with mechanics that were put into place for a class that in reality, 99% of players playing this game were never even intended to experience. You know, bounty hunting, as an example, was something that you could do if you, you know, worked up to that advanced profession, and it was intended initially, or, you know, rather, it was initially just to hunt NPC characters. 
So when the first Jedi came on the scene, it was kind of astounding eventually to realize for bounty hunters that you could actually hunt this Jedi, right? That was absolutely crazy, but they had to make the mistake first. And so the hunt was on and the universe changed forever in a way that players just couldn't conceptualize. So now we have at first just one Jedi, but over time, an increasing number of them, not everyone, still a fairly rare occurrence at this point in the universe, but a fairly standout experience as well, because not only were these Jedi very rare, but they had to, to be in hiding. I remember myself, I had this one experience and it still sticks with me today. It's one of those memories that I think will never fade. I was in the Moss Eisley Cantina. I was getting a buff. I wasn't a great player at this game. You know, I was a kid at the time. I didn't understand the concepts. I, I think even today, well, today, maybe that might be different. But back then, I certainly didn't understand this game to the absolute depth that it possessed. And so I was just chilling in this cantina and I'd heard about Jedi, but I'd never seen one. They were just one of those rare things. Because again, I'm just a nobody in the Star Wars galaxy. And so I was talking to this guy next to me in the cantina and all of a sudden, um, the door swang open or rather slid open and a group of bounty hunters walked into the room and they were geared head to toe, ready for a fight, buffed up. You could tell and these were some nasty bounty hunters. Any one of them could go toe to toe with any other player and crush them instantly. And they started shooting, but at the guy next to me. And before I knew it, the guy that I was just talking to, who just seemed like another random Joe in the universe, whipped out a lightsaber, switched the thing on, and was batting back blaster bolts and holding his own against three guys that could easily kill anyone else in the game without blinking. He fought off three of them and actually killed them. The thing that made this experience so great was that not only was this class so immensely powerful if you put the work in and did it right, that it, it made the Jedi lore stand true. The power of the Force, the power of a lightsaber, the strength of the Jedi, so great that it could fight back multiple players at the peak of their combat classes, because that's what a Jedi is supposed to be able to do. And that's something that you lose when everyone is a Jedi. When everyone's a Jedi, you have to be equally strong, especially when you're playing a game like Tor, let's say, where a trooper is equally as strong as a Jedi. Well, that doesn't kind of make sense, right? If a Jedi's got lightsabers and the force and you're a trooper with a blaster, like you should not be able to hold your own, but it's something that happens all the time. Um, and so this experience was amazing because not only does it make Jedi powerful, but it cements them in the lore and it's one of those uniquely rare sightings now. It's something you don't see all the time. And that's, that's special, right? Like that's a special memory. I, I wouldn't remember that if everyone I met was a Jedi or even if half the people I met were a Jedi or even if Jedi were, you know, roughly the same strength as bounty hunters. And so those bounty hunters, you know, crushed the Jedi because it was three on one and it didn't matter. Like th those, those all would have ruined that amazingly unique experience. Now, corporate greed as it is eventually destroyed this game. So there was this thing called the NGE, the new game enhancements and the CU. And basically what, what they realized was, hey, we're losing players to WoW. And they didn't clue in that it was because of a, a lack of in-game content um, and a, a lack of mystery because they had changed Jedi by this point in time to be less of a mystery and more of a grind um, to unlock. And so they were just funneling players into WoW through those two key mistakes. And they, they thought it was because WoW featured a combat system that was better when it was absolutely worse. 
and you know a world that was better when it absolutely wasn't so they made the game wow they let you pick jedi at start as a starting class they basically undid all the work that you'd you know work to accomplish up until that point they sit on the players that unlocked jedi the hard way the first time round and all of a sudden we basically had world of warcraft with a star wars skin but slightly worse maybe a lot worse i don't know that's a matter of opinion but in the end it it speaks to i think the thing that we're trying to discuss in this podcast those small ideas and concepts that make games great things that were just so close to being perfect so close but just not quite. And no matter how many episodes of this show we have, no matter how many different games we talk about, there will never be a story that I can tell you or a topic that we can discuss that will be as impactful as this game. It's hard to understand if you weren't there, but if you happen to be listening to this and you played through this game yourself, it's an experience that you had, you'll understand what I'm talking about because there's a lot of failures in a lot of games that we've played today, right? Think about Elite Dangerous. That is an amazing space game, which is something that, by the way, space game players get screwed all the time. But Elite Dangerous, amazing space game. The problem, despite the fact that it's as wide as an ocean, a nearly unending one, it's as shallow as a pond because there's, a, a, a galaxy the size of the real galaxy the problem actually literally the real galaxy the problem is that there's nothing to do in like 99.9999 percent of it so there's no reason really to go there or do anything and so once you've experienced the main game which you can really do you can really unlock most things inside of like a month of decent play the game's kind of done for you like there's nothing left or even Mass Effect Andromeda, a game that introduced a combat system that was so much better than the Mass Effect games before it, but made other key mistakes that caused the title to fail, right? These are the tiny things, the, the tiny decisions that snowball into something so much bigger and create failure in these games. Now, maybe I've rambled a lot. Maybe it sounds incoherent. The truth is, I don't know. What I do know is that Star Wars Galaxies was an amazing game. And it was an amazing game because of three core tenants. Three core tenants that I can distill down into quick, succinct sentences that just haven't been replicated in other, other games, other titles. Number one, you are not special, period. Number two, we are only as strong as our community. We rely on each other to succeed and share our successes. And number three, when everyone is a hero, no one is. So if you're out there and you happen to be an up and coming game developer and you're looking for something to set yourself aside from an industry that has run amok and just seems to be repeating the same, I don't know, 12 games over and over and over again, and you're looking for something truly special, I want you to remember those three things. Because maybe, just maybe, you might be the person to create that great game. Hell, you might be the person to create the last game we ever need. So thank you guys. If you've taken the time to listen this far, you've made it to the end of this first episode. I want to say that I appreciate the time that you've put in. 